Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 251 through 253, which will cover manga chapters 358 through 362. So, back in the present, we finally get to see what became of everyone after their defeat at the hands of the CP9. Alrighty, so the synopsis. With Chopper managing to save Iceberg and Polly from the burning building, Iceberg explains to Nami that Robin's real reason for turning on them was in fact to save them from the world government. With that new realization, Nami gets renewed motivation to save Robin, but she and Chopper must first find Luffy and Zoro before the Aqua Laguna hits. During all this, Sanji, predicting this, stows away on the Puffing Tom to try and rescue Robin, Usopp, and Frankie before they reach the NES lobby. Alrighty, so differences. There really aren't very many differences in these episodes, uh, much like a lot of Water 7, which is really appreciated. Uh, there's just a couple more scenes uh, that are shown with uh, when Robin's reminiscing about her time with the Straw Hats, as well as at the tra- train station, the whole little side subplot of the train station attendants having that sort of like misinterpreting Polly and Nami sort of relationship and thinking that they're in a romantic relationship that are, that's been dealing with heartbreak and breakups and all that stuff. And then later on, there's a couple more added um, dialogue lines with those same station attendants as they look for the requested meat and booze that Nami had asked them for earlier. All right, so let's get into the episodes. I first have to say episode 251 is a really awesome episode. It doesn't necessarily stand out so much because nothing all that exciting happens, but emotionally this episode does a lot and really makes you feel so many things, which I'll explain in the coming minutes. So yeah, continuing from the last episode, we see the pretty funny full conversation between Spandam and Frankie, with Frankie still unable to recall his name correctly and calls him Spanda, in addition to him getting angry and correcting Frankie with the moo. I always found that funny. In my own headcanon, I like to think that Frankie actually knows his real name, but it's his mispronouncing it on purpose to annoy him. Because how could Frankie possibly forget the guy that ultimately sent his father figure and mentor to his death? Like, I have a hard time understanding why he would ever forget that name. But So yeah, I, I think he's intentionally mispronouncing it. Of course, I have no real like evidence to back this up, but this is just something I like to think. The CP9 then tie Frankie up to prep him for the journey to NES Lobby, and we get one of my favorite recurring Usopp gags as Usopp wants to do something to help, and he gets this insane triumphant burst of courage only to have a far more powerful and intimidating opponent face him down, and Usopp just straight up apologizes humbly. He's like, go in the side. <laughs> Not, yeah, that, that, those jokes, as often as they come up, will never get tiring. I, it, They're so funny for some reason. We then see poor Tyrannosaurus Rex full of despair at the sight of Iceberg and Polly waiting for their deaths in the fire. When we see Chopper emerge from the debris all bloodied up to pick up Zoro's Sandai Kitetsu that he dropped. And now we see what happened with Zoro dropping the Kitetsu and why it was focused upon. Next we see Chopper jumping out the window with Polly, Iceberg, and Tyrannosaurus Rex on his back saving their lives, but then immediately passes out again. Cutting back to Usopp, we see the most heartbreaking thing, as Usopp is easily defeated by Kaku. But first, can we talk about just how much of a beating Usopp has taken in like the span of like a two and a half day period? He has been beaten within an inch of his life three times now, and he's still somewhat standing, which is nothing short of superhuman in terms of just Usopp, for all of his sort of like, I don't have strength or power, his endurance is like next level. 
But back to some serious stuff, Kaku sees that the Mary is still around and committed to being a dick and a shipwright. He finishes the job of disposing of the Mary and in a gut-wrenching way, he just sends the Mary to her death like trash. And man, this, this hurts so much to see it discarded like that. You just pray that this isn't really the end for the Mary. Just like with everyone, unless you see it on screen, nothing is ever really gone with Oda. So I have to see someone die with my own eyes to actually believe they're really gone. And that's that's the rule with One Piece. And so I'm really pretty confident still that, that the Mary is still somewhat alive. Cutting back to the Galila company, or what's left of it, both Nami and Iceberg regain consciousness and we finally get our final puzzle piece to what was going on with Robin as Iceberg fills Nami and us in on what he and Robin talked about while he was being held hostage. In a rather spine-tingling fashion, we found out that the wish that Robin had was to save the Straw Hats. She didn't betray them. In fact, she sacrificed herself in order to protect them from one of the ultimate powers that the Marines have called the Buster Call. There is so much to talk about here. First off, just the tremendous sense of relief that Robin, in fact, is still a strong hat and that all the signs that Robin has really grown to love the crew and cares for them deeply that we've seen up to this point is so satisfying to finally hear her true emotions and true feelings towards the crew. Like I've said on multiple occasions, it's always been veiled in this sense of doubt and mystery, but for the first time we get firm confirmation that Robin is in fact a straw hat at heart. In the flashback, Iceberg tries to lecture Robin the same way he did to Frankie about how dangerous even the simplest of pursuits can be, even one as innocuous as wanting to learn the history of the world, when that information can be used for unspeakable destruction. It's here you start to see the amazing story connection between both Frankie and Robin's stories and themes as they both have dreams, but their dreams, if used for the wrong purposes, are incredibly dangerous. But what Iceberg failed to see, but Tom and Luffy do see, is that none of that matters. Merely existing is not a crime. And just because you have the potential to cause destruction does not mean you will or that you are inherently a dangerous person that should not be allowed to exist. Iceberg then really strikes a nerve with Robin by bringing up the Ohara incident, which is something clearly very traumatic for Robin as she has easily the strongest emotional reaction we have seen from her thus far. And you can really feel it in her voice as it's full of rage yet also seems like she's on the verge of breaking down and crying at the same time. And credit to Yuriko Yamaguchi for an amazing performance here. She yells back at Iceberg that he doesn't know anything about Ohara and that he has no idea the extent to which the world government messed up her life. This now just makes us insanely curious as to when we'll actually get to see Robin's full flashback because up till now there have been hints and vague allusions to whatever happened but it's still for the most part a complete mystery and now with the reveal of things like Oharada and the Buster Call you can't help but think what the hell has this woman been through in the last 20 years? Robin then explains what happened to her since they arrived at Water 7 and how she was coerced into working for the CP9 under the threat of the Buster Call being deployed on the Straw Hats. What's interesting is that Robin seems to know about this Buster Call a great deal, even though it seems like something that is rarely used. Almost, It's almost treated like a nuke in the real world, which leads us to think that perhaps she's seen what this thing can actually do firsthand. Something can only be under normal circumstances deployed by one of the three admirals and the fleet admiral. 
has been allowed just this one time by Aokiji to be used by the CP9 instead. Robin then goes on to explain the incredibly sweet and amazing reason why for the first time in 20 years she hasn't been able to just hightail it and run away. Up till now she's been using and betraying everyone just to survive but for the first time in her life she's finally come across a group of people that love and care for her and consider her a nakama. This time she doesn't want to betray anyone in order to survive. This time she wants to protect them. Even going so far as when Iceberg scolds her about protecting them at the cost of the entire world, she doubles down on that. Which is awesome that Robin is truly a loyal straw hat. Upon hearing all this, Nami is relieved and relaxes and even kind of falls over from that. But I love her reaction, how she does that. Like just this huge amount of weight has been lifted off of her because of the fact that she now can rest easy that Robin didn't betray them. And now that they know all that, they can concentrate fully on getting her back. The excitement in her voice is the same feeling we all have now that we're not wavering either. Their strength is unbound as we know, especially Luffy with his insane determination and focus is unstoppable when it's focused on something. And I love that reversal of when Iceberg asks her, with everyone beaten, what are you even going to do now? And she simply responds, now? You mean it starts from now? And of course, Nami is this confident and excited because she knows firsthand what they're capable of when they try and save one of their own because she was rescued in a very similar way back on Arlong Park. With this new, renewed sense of purpose, Nami gets up to regather everyone to tell them the good news. Her first person is Chopper, and poor guy, <laughs> he's passed out from all these injuries and smoke inhalation. And keep in mind, the smoke must have been really bad for Chopper considering how strong his nose is. Nami runs up to him and just starts repeatedly and comically karate chopping him in the face to wake him up. And one thing I love that you get in the anime in this moment is how each time she chops him, his limbs sort of twitch up and down. <laughs> we then flash back to a certain cook that we've kind of lost track of as we get another one of Sanji's badass reveals as we flash back to the moment Sanji and Chopper split up and get to see the rest of their conversation about how Sanji coolly says to Chopper, a real man forgives a woman's lies. As Sanji already knew that Robin was lying to them, which again makes sense, Sanji is easily the most emotionally intelligent member of the crew because of his overall kindness to others. He can see right through all of that. And back then, we didn't know why Sanji just disappears on his own. But we all know by now, if Sanji disappears, that means he's doing something that's going to save all their butts later on. And here we get to see that awesome reveal yet again. And just like in Little Garden with Mr. Three's hideout, or Alabasta and Rain Dinner's casino, as well as Skypiea aboard the Maxim, we probably get my favorite reveal. Even if it's like the most understated one of the bunch, as Robin is being escorted onto the Puffing Tom, Surrounded by the Marines and the CP9 and the world government agents, the stakes are at its highest in terms of possibly losing Robin forever. The camera pulls back to a dark alley where the, a lighter flickers. And I kid you not, when I first read this moment in the manga, I got so excited. I threw my manga up in the air yelling, Sanji! <laughs> then to cap it off, he just coolly says, Bingo! I mean, so awesome. Like, this moment works so well because from Frankie's flashback, we understand what's at stake if they take off with Robin in that train. There's no turning back, and it will become infinitely harder for them to get her back 
With Luffy and Zoro still MIA, Sanji is the last line of defense to save not only Robin, but also don't forget that Frankie and Usopp are about to be put on this train as well who need saving. So when it's revealed that one of the monster trio is on site, still in good fighting condition, there's still a chance and that he can at least buy some time till Nami, Chopper, and Luffy and Zoro can get and regroup with them. And it just feels so good to know that Sanji is there. Like, just, yeah, there is just something about the fact that Sanji is this reliable crew member is still around to help out. I mean, things are still in a dire situation, but they're starting to finally look up. And what a way to end an episode. And, and I freaking love this moment. Easily one of my favorite hype moments of One Piece in general. Like I said, it's not necessarily one of those like most significant or flashy moments in the series. But for the emotional setup and payoff it provides, this moment has always stuck with me so much. And I get chills every time I see it or read it. But of course, in the very next episode, he kind of ruins that cool vibe with that ridiculous white knight daydream. And that stupid face with the over-exaggerated lips. I do love that after noticing Usopp is captured, Sanji is like, so much for the sorry for causing you guys trouble up till now. And he just goes, you're still causing us trouble. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of, I understand Sanji's sort of exasperation here. It just reinforces that, of course, Sanji is still worried about Usopp and wants to save him too. And yeah, it's a pretty sweet moment between them. Speaking of sweet moments, we see Chopper all cutely reacting to the news that Robin doesn't hate them. And on a side note, with all the shipwrights calling Chopper <laughs> a raccoon dog or tanuki is a running gag I know I've mentioned in the past, but this is a play on one of the words for reindeer in Japanese is tonakai, which sounds very similar to tanuki. Although I have no source for this next little tidbit, but I have to think that this is most likely a reference to the long-standing uh, gag in the classic children's anime Doraemon where many people often mistake Doraemon for a tanuki as well, and he always gets offended and corrects them, saying that he's actually a cat-like robot instead. And yeah, the, the similarities are definitely not lost on me in that regard. Anyways, Iceberg informs him that there's a time limit of 30 minutes before the train departs for Aeneas Lobby, and it sets up the stakes that if they want to retrieve Robin and the others, they need to do it before the time runs out or else there's no telling when they can get them back again. Polly then rallies the remaining Galila shipwrights and orders them to assist Chopper with finding Luffy and Zoro, while Polly takes Nami to the train station directly to try and intercept Robin. Then we get a really cute and comical scene of Chopper with the full might of the Galila company calling out for Zoro and Luffy, but then Chopper sneaks in this uh, really whispery Usopp please come back under his breath and then the Galila shipwrights mimic the same thing where they yell out Luffy and Zoro's name but then also whisper Usopp come back <laughs> it's pretty funny Sanji realizing that no one is going to make it to the train station on time decides to board the train himself while we learn that both Luffy and Zoro got themselves stuck in various places around the city which to me always seemed like a convenient plot contrivance on Oda's part to make it so that they can't get to the train on time Especially Luffy. Zoro I could always understand because he just kind of fell into the chimney. But Luffy getting stuck in there like that seemed like a kind of a lazy writing decision to me. I mean, ultimately, it really doesn't matter. And I never really cared about it all that much. But it's just like, it's kind of, it kind of takes you out of the moment a little bit. Cutting back to the train, we watch Robin reminisce over her journey with the Straw Hats and her renewed sense of purpose but then having to say goodbye to all of that 
and her nakama is heartbreaking. But little does she know that Usopp is actually on the train with her, as well as Sanji is on his way to rescue her. In addition to Nami being so close to reaching her, but ultimately falls short by just a few moments, this scene always hurts, but it's also oddly reassuring that it's confirmation that Robin truly loved and cared for the Straw Hats and really enjoyed her time with them. And above all, she wanted to stay with them. One other thing I kind of wanted to mention is the thing that kind of hits you really hard when you look over the past and remember that line that she says to Cobra as she's kind of accepted her death in Alabasta as the temple starts to crumble around her. And that line where she goes, I just wanted to learn the history of the world, but my dream just has too many enemies. And you finally realize the extent of what she meant by this. Not only does she always have to contend with pirates, marines, and bounty hunters, but really, it's the full might of the world government that she was talking about. And when you revisit that scene and that line, you understand just how much Robin had endured. But the sad reality is, we don't even know the half of it, as we'll see in the next arc. But yeah, seeing, seeing her th- you know, reminisce about all, all the past scenes, especially the ones from Alabasta, kind of got me thinking about that one line. However, all is not lost as Nami is shown the letter that Sanji did not even try to hide at all with a gaudy message written in pink paint, which who knows where he got the paint and where did he ha- when did he have the time to paint all of that? But then I love the subtle lines from Nami where she mentions most of the letter is pointless love letter stuff, which she skips right over to the important parts, which is like two <laughs> sentences of this like page long letter. And... The other funny thing is, it's like it even cuts Sanji's narration off. She just doesn't even care. All right, now on to one of the funniest scenes probably in a while. So now that Sanji's on the train, he's hanging out outside on the caboose trying to figure out what the best way to get inside when suddenly the door swings open with a government agent discovering him. But what happens next is so weird, and I bust out laughing anytime I hear this in the anime is when. Sanji sees the entire train cars filled with enemy agents. He lets out this weird and awkward Gah! scream that we've never heard before or since from Sanji. And it's just, I can't tell if he's like surprised or if this is like some sort of a weird battle cry laugh or scream, but it's just so weird. Then We then get another pretty silly and funny joke where one of the agents yells out that the kick Sanji used was no normal person's kick. And Sanji just talks all intimidatingly, but ends it with, oh, you're going to make me blush. (laughs) The agent exasperatedly yells, that wasn't a compliment. Then this scene gets even more ridiculous and hilarious as it's revealed that standing above Sanji is this insanely tall man who has to bend over the whole time. As ridiculous as this aspect is, it gets even more ridiculous as he introduces himself as a CP6 agent named Jerry, which is a very like plain name, claiming that he's a champion from an island in the South Blue where karate is popular, and then goes on to say, yes, that's right, in boxing, I'm a champion. And Sanji just like kind of annoyed, quickly retorts, then do karate. This whole exchange is just too funny with how freaking random everything is. But this bit isn't even over yet. It's pretty clear that as a really tall man, Jerry has difficulty fighting in a train car, but then boasts about the fact that he's not really at a disadvantage, claiming that he's a practitioner of yoga boxing, 
which like how does Oda even come up with this stuff and I remember just having uncontrolled laughter during this whole scene as Jerry is in even worse disadvantage now as Sanji yells at him your reach has got even shorter as he's like contorted his like legs behind his head and so his arms are like locked behind his legs and so he can't even punch far enough out to like pivot his shoulders then Jerry unexpectedly throws out a spinning drop kick, which Sanji obviously responds, you're already ignoring boxing rules. And this scene just does not stop giving. And then Sanji finally fed up with Jerry's nonsense, showcases a new move called brochette, which is a skewer of meat. Uh, I actually had to look up what a brochette was. And in a sense, it makes sense. Like As the move shows Sanji jumping up and then coming straight down, skewering Jerry's face with both of his legs kind of pointed in the opposite directions, making like a long stick-like skewer. Pretty cool move, I gotta say. Then we quickly get a breakdown of the defenses in all the train cars that Sanji will need to get through in order to reach Robin. And it's kind of cool that Sanji gets all this dedicated time to shine now since he's been largely absent from most of his arc. And all this information obviously just sets up Sanji's sort of journey through the train as these next few episodes will unfold. Moving away from the train and going back to Water 7, Kokoro provides us with some context with how bad the Aqua Laguna is going to be as she explains that the amount of tide that goes out indicates how big the ensuing wave will be and it's revealed that the entire water has receded indicating that a massive Aqua Laguna wave that hasn't been seen in a long time is coming. As they're all looking at the tide going out, Chimini points out she sees something weird in the distance, and upon closer inspection by Nami, it's shown to be Luffy stuck between those two tall buildings, and with minutes left before the Aqua Laguna, Nami races to free Luffy. And that is where this set of episodes ends. And yeah, they still need to find Zoro, but at least they found Luffy. But even with that, how are they even going to catch up to the Puffing Tom with the Aqua Laguna looming? But yeah, I guess we'll have to wait till the next set of episodes to find out. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes. As always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. No spoiler sections today, but I hope you all stay safe out there and I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye!